Well, good morning again, church family. As we begin this morning, I want you to consider this question. Where do you find contentment? Where do you find contentment? What, what is it that satisfies your soul? It, it seems as if consumerism is built into the DNA of Western society. Consumerism, it, it works to set up a system that motivates people to buy far more than they need. I mean, think about it. The, the ads, they're everywhere. We can't get away from them. We see them on our drive into work. They're every third post as we're scrolling on social media. They flood our email inboxes and our mailboxes. These persuasive advertisements, they have one goal in mind, to get you to act, to bite, to take the bait. We have mechanisms all around us pressuring us to, to chase a desire for more for the purpose of finding satisfaction, happiness, and fulfillment. We're made to believe that if we just buy that next thing, then we'll be content. If, if we just buy the, the next latest and greatest smartphone, I mean, we need it. If, if we get that, then we'll be satisfied, and we buy it, and we're happy with it for maybe one, two days. We may be amused with the new features for a couple weeks, but then what happens? It just becomes a, another thing that we have. Then it's back to the ads. Or, or what about this, the, the new car on the lot? I mean, that's a beautiful vehicle. It has all the bells and whistles. It has a new technology package. It, it drives itself. It basically will go pick up your Uber Eats for you. It's far superior to last year's model, which just so happens to look exactly like this year's model. But hey, hey, if you buy this vehicle, then you'll be satisfied. What is the thing for you? What is the thing for you? Maybe it's making more money. It's the job. If you just put in a few more hours, just, just a few more hours a week, then you'll finally get that promotion or that, that, that pay bump that you've been in line for for so long. If you could just make a few thousand more dollars, then you have the money to finally take care of that project at home that you've been waiting to do. If you could do that, oh man, then, then you'd be satisfied. Friends, the problem is that we're chasing hard. After lies, we're, we're taking the bait that leads us to believe that contentment and fulfillment is just out of reach. I just want the new car, the better home, just a little more money. Then I'd be satisfied. Lies. We will never find contentment by placing our hopes in money and possessions. Maybe some of you remember the company from the early 2000s. It was the greatest company in the world. That's how the two CEOs described their company, Enron. Maybe a couple of y'all remember. No one? Yeah, a couple? Okay, one person. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, Enron. These, these two men, they had an insatiable desire for more and more, and this desire led to temptation. This temptation uh, 
sent them into taking on riskier business deals and buying up a bunch of new companies. And that desire for wealth, it, it led them to a trap. In December 2001, Enron was all over the news for going bankrupt. The love of money and the desire for more, it caused these two men to act recklessly, betraying the trust of their investors who lost billions. Not only that, but 20,000 people lost their jobs. Their senseless and their harmful desires led to devastation and great pain. Satisfaction and fulfillment for these two was always just out of reach. Where do you find contentment? In 1988, about a year after I was born, and I say that for the young people in the room so they know that I was born in the 1900s, but, but also for the older people in the room so they know how much younger I am than Pastor Eric. But in 1988, the movie Wall Street hit theaters. Michael Douglas played Gordon Gecko, And in this movie, he had a famous line. He said, greed is good. Greed is good. But what's funny is, 20 years later, a sequel came out to that movie. And in that movie... Michael Douglas' character, Gordon Gecko goes on to say that greed and its consequences lead to mass destruction. Gecko must have gained some wisdom over those 20 years. Because greediness is the selfish desire for more of something than is needed. It's, it's a trap because, friends, the desire to be rich leads to ruin and mass destruction. So I'll say it again. Where do you find contentment? If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy, it is one of the three epistles known as the pastoral epistles, also including 2 Timothy and Titus. We see Paul advising Timothy in this letter on practical matters in ministry. And here, he gives a blatant warning about the love of money. In the verses prior, the false teachers viewed godliness as a means of financial gain. Paul will share the true source of gain in our passage this morning. Read with me, beginning in verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness... With contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. These words penned to Timothy came with Paul's intention to warn Timothy about false teachers, but this warning also applies to each one of us today. Take another look with me at verses 7 and 8. For we brought nothing into the world, 
And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. We brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything with us. Job says something similar in Job 121. It says, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. There's a similar notion written in Ecclesiastes 5. Uh, Paul is telling us here that material possessions, they're temporary. But oh, how often do we cling to the material possessions of this world? Well, friends, we cannot take it with us. So don't live your life for money and wealth. Don't live your life for things. Don't live your life for accumulating stuff. Mark 8.36, Jesus says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I want you to hear that again. Think about it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, temporary things, possessions, money, wealth, all of it piled up together? It doesn't matter. It's all temporary. What does it gain a man to gain the whole world? while forfeiting their soul. Eternal things. Being satisfied in this life will never come from placing our contentment in money and possessions. But if we have food and clothing, we should be content. A closer translation here would be covering. The word here can refer to both clothing and shelter. So what Paul is saying here is that life's necessities are sufficient. Life's necessities are sufficient. This is our standard for a content life in Christ. This isn't to say that contentment alone is the key to life. That's not what Paul is saying at all. Friends, searching for contentment without Christ is still a life of brokenness. Looking to be a minimalist, I know that that's a popular thing now, but even that will not lead to a satisfied soul. Only a life in Christ. Because a life lived in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and being content go hand in hand. Plainly speaking, we don't need the finer things in life to be satisfied. Our our standard for a life of satisfaction in Christ is having food and clothing. Adding anything to the necessities as a means of contentment is a mistake. Friends, when we take our prosperity and we turn it into a necessity, we threaten our ability to be satisfied. Let me say that again. When we take our prosperity, our things, our stuff, and we we place the weight of our trust in this life on those things as a necessity, we threaten our ability to be satisfied. So what do we do? Let's see what Jesus has to say in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. You hear that? Non-believers is what he's saying. Non-believers seek after these things. But Christian, follower of Christ, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So what does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Being content in Christ means satisfaction in receiving the necessities from him as we continue to seek him first. And it means not complaining when we can't afford that new sports car or the 12-bedroom home. This is not to say that we cannot enjoy the, the material things of this world if we can afford them. We are free to enjoy the things we have. But, but listen, even then, we should never look to our possessions as our source for contentment. Please hear me. Having money is not wrong. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 2, 7 that the Lord makes poor and rich. It is not a sin to have wealth. Money is a gift from God, but we must remember that everything we have comes from God. And as such, it all belongs to him. God makes it clear in Job 41 when he says, everything under heaven belongs to him. Everything. As followers of Christ, we should always be prepared to, to part from the resources God has given us as he leads and requires. There should always be a posture of a healthy detachment from our material possessions. If we love our possessions more than we love God, friends, we have an idol. If we love our material possessions more than we love God, we have an idol. Our hearts are going to follow our treasure. So, it's not a sin to enjoy what God has given us. But as we will see in the following verses, we must not fall into the trap of desiring to get rich. Read with me in verse 9 and 10 of 1 Timothy 6. But those who desire to get rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Notice what he says here. He says it's the desire to get rich that is the trap. Again, is Paul condemning being rich here? No, he's, he's warning against the harmful desire of wanting more. It's not about what we have, it's about what we want. Paul speaks to the rich in verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6. He says and instructs them uh, not to place their hopes in their riches, but instead to put their hopes in God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Here is a specific warning against the dangerous desire to want to be rich. So the second thing this morning is the love of money is a destructive desire. The love of money is a destructive desire. Paul walks through the steps of the consequences of desiring to be rich in verse 9. He begins uh, by saying that one is tempted as we desire more money, wanting to be wealthier, we can expect to face temptation. That temptation, it leads to a trap or a snare. And once trapped, people find themselves giving in to mindless passions. It is those mindless passions that lead down the road to destruction. Take the lottery, for example. A person who wishes to have more money, finds the idea of the lottery appealing. Every time they're going by the gas station, 
that temptation to buy that lottery ticket, it grows. When they go into the gas station, temptation continues to grow and grow until finally the person gives in. He, he buys the ticket. I mean, what's the harm? It's one cheap ticket. And then the bait is taken. The person falls into the trap. He begins to buy more and more tickets, not, not thinking clearly. And he may win a few dollars here and there, so he decides to take his luck to the casino. And then it's just a few hundred dollars. Then a few thousand. Then it's a paycheck. That's his life savings. What started out beginning so small, seemingly harmless compromise leads to ruin and destruction. Here in verse 9, ruin can mean experiencing severe pain and, and even hell. And destruction also refers to eternal judgment. So these great desires and cravings to be rich, they tempt, they trap. They have the potential to cause Great destruction. Paul goes on to explain the harm of desiring to be rich in verse 10. The, the love of money, friends, it looks incredibly attractive. It, it's deceptive in its promises. It, it gives us a sense of security. It offers the potential for worldly power and pleasure. I get it. Friends, it is appealing. It's appealing to, to want to be rich, to desire more wealth. Oh, but friends, it's so misleading. And it's temporary. Oh, how foolish it is for us to stake everything on the wealth, the temporary wealth of this world while forsaking eternal things. It doesn't matter what it is, pleasure, power, money, desire to be wealthy, all of it together will never save us. None of it. Because only Christ alone will we find salvation. Salvation comes through Christ alone. Jesus makes clear that we cannot serve two masters. We will either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. We cannot serve both God and money. The, the love of money, it leads to many pain and sorrows. It leads people astray. Desiring wealth leads people away from the truth. But there's good news, friends. There's good news because true contentment can be found in Christ. Because it's only Jesus who can satisfy our soul. Only Christ can satisfy our soul. Read verse 6 with me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul says godliness or a reverence towards God with contentment is great gain. Living a Christ-centered life through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is this that is godliness. It is finding satisfaction in what has been given to us by God. It's not godliness with a want for more. It's not godliness with a longing for a better situation. It's not godliness with just a small pay bump or increase. It's godliness with contentment, being satisfied regardless of our circumstances. It is this that is great gain. Looking to money for satisfaction leads to many sorrows and pain. It leads to destruction. Friends, it leads to death. 
but we find the source of gain in this life by setting our eyes on Christ, looking to him for the fullness of joy, satisfaction, and contentment. Looking to him and him alone. Friends, do you understand what a blessing it is to be content in Christ, to want for nothing? What a peace it is to be fully satisfied and find the fullness of joy in the presence of Jesus. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know that are looking far and wide, searching hard for anything they can find to satisfy the desire of their soul? It doesn't matter what it is, money, stuff, creature comforts, relationships, pick your poison. None of it satisfies. It's all temporary. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Because Jesus Christ alone, who is the source of complete satisfaction for our soul. Just before this passage, Paul gives a contrast between true and false godliness. In verse 5, false teachers see godliness as a means of financial gain, but true godliness comes through the exercising of contentment with gratitude for what God has provided for us. Contentment is the condition of requiring no aid or support. It is being independent of our circumstances. A content person is satisfied with their possessions, their status, their situation. True contentment comes from Christ, and contentment is a sign of godliness. When we find sufficiency in Christ, our contentment contrasts with the greediness of the world and and always wanting more. The desire for material gain, it leads people to a greedy desire that cannot be satisfied. It doesn't matter what it is. There's always going to be that insatiable desert. insatiable thirst for more that cannot be quenched. But a life that is content in Christ satisfies our soul. This goes countercultural to Western society where we see excessive debt, consumer overspending, the need, the status to keep up with the Joneses and buy up material possessions. In Philippians 4, Paul He shares that although he is thankful to the Philippians for the gifts for ministry, he still explains that he can remain strong or content whether he has plenty or is in need. And I want to be clear. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. Paul wrote clearly here, he said the love of money is a root of evils. Contentment is is not based on our circumstances, it's based on our attitude. But having a burning desire to continue to run after more money, never being satisfied, it is this that is a root of evil. Chasing money. Having a never-ending desire for more wealth will eventually lead a person to ruin as they seek satisfaction in money instead of the true source of contentment. It is Jesus alone who supplies limitless satisfaction and love. Friends, money cannot do that. Money is limited. Money does not love. If God has given us plenty, friends, we should praise him. If God has given us little, we should praise him. Paul adds a scary reality. 
Some who are hungry for money have walked away from the faith while piercing themselves with many sorrows and pains. Friends, life's necessities are sufficient. Life's necessities are sufficient, but the love of money is destructive desire. Only Christ can satisfy our soul. So considering this passage this morning, what do we do? The Bible makes clear that we should not love money. There's so many warnings against it all throughout Scripture. But, but our society has a love of money problem. And friends, I know it's not everyone in here. I, I know it's not everyone joining us online. But there is a love of money problem. The truth is that a recent Northwestern Mutual poll found that the average American carries nearly $22,000 in personal debt. And as of August 2023, just a couple months ago, the New York Federal Reserve data, it shows that for the first time, Americans are $1 trillion in credit card debt. There's a love of money problem. So the first question is, do you love money? Do you love money? And please don't be quick to answer that question. I, I can't be quick to answer that question. But consider for a moment, what do you spend most of your time thinking about? What, what gets most of your time, your, your talent, your resources? Let me put it this way. Do you spend more time thinking about the next thing you're going to buy, the, the upgrade to the house, the new boat, whatever material possession it may be? Do you think about these things more than you spend in dedicated time with God? Do you want to know your true priorities? Look at your bank statements. Where is your treasure? Jesus says in Matthew 6, your heart will follow your treasure. So who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? Another question to consider is this. When it comes to money, do you have enough? When it comes to money, do you have enough? And listen, that's not meant to be a funny question. Do you find yourself constantly thinking about needing more money, acquiring more wealth, desiring more stuff, or are you content? One more question. Do you have trouble parting with your money? Do you have trouble parting with your money? Do you see money as an opportunity to give generously? Or is it more important that you hold on to your money and use it only for selfish desires? How we honestly answer these questions will help to point to your treasure, to my treasure. Paul warns us not to fall in love with material things, not to fall in love with the desire to be rich. So friends, don't fall in love with money. 
Don't fall in love with money. Instead, we should see money as, as an opportunity, as a stewardship, as faithful followers of Christ. Are we generous with what God has given us? Are we generous with it? Are we faithfully stewarding it? The, the absence of this perspective shows a potential love for money. It, it shows a heart problem. But godliness with contentment is great gain. As we consider the source of our contentment in our lives this morning, is there something that needs to change in how we honor God with our resources? I mean, think about it. Do we really live our lives as if we believe that everything we have belongs to God? That, that he owns it all? Are we truly managing what he has given us in a way that honors him? When I was a junior in high school, I had an awesome mentor, which also happened to be my youth leader at church. When prom came around of that year, he, he told me that he wanted me to drive his Ford Mustang to prom. And friends, I was super excited about this because he had a pristine Mustang. This thing was clean. He always kept it detailed. It looked brand new. This car was beautiful, and I had never driven anything that nice up to this point. I was only 17 or 18 at the time, so I was so excited. When he gave me the keys, I got in to take my prom date to the prom, and all of a sudden I was like, I gotta be super careful with this thing. I mean, I was so careful going around each curve and turn, I wanted to make sure that I didn't add one scratch or scrape to the body of that Mustang. And when I turned it back into him, I made sure it was cleaner than, than when I received it. And I also made sure to put in a full tank of gas. I took great care of that vehicle out of great respect and appreciation for him and allowing me to borrow his Mustang. I treated that vehicle better than I treated my own vehicle because that Mustang did not belong to me. It didn't belong to me. Well, friends, how are we treating what belongs to God. Because the truth is, our money is God's money. Everything we have belongs to him. So are we truly trusting God to meet our needs or are we placing our hope and our security in our wealth? Friends, the source of gain and contentment in Jesus is Jesus plus nothing else. That's our source. It's Jesus plus nothing else for contentment. And candidly speaking, friends, if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you are not giving your financial resources to the church, friends, your contentment is in Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus nothing else satisfies our soul. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6, it, it makes it clear that it is God who supports us. It is, it is through him alone that we find true joy and contentment. Do you have a heart of gratitude for what God has blessed you with and are you willing to part with your non-essentials? Can you truly say that the Lord is my shepherd? I lack nothing. Or do you hold tightly to your money and possessions, finding it hard to give generously? What is the posture of your heart?
Friends, true contentment is, is only found in Christ. Only Jesus plus nothing else can truly satisfy our soul. So friends, if you are not content in Christ, please change that today. Smash the idol of the love of money, the, true, the desire for wealth in your life, and turn to Christ for the fullness of joy, peace, and contentment. Don't look to money and material things for satisfaction. Look to Christ alone who can satisfy your soul. As followers of Christ, we must be intentional about choosing daily to dig up the roots of evil in our lives, the the roots of love, of money in our lives, and set our eyes on Christ. Finding contentment in him is our true treasure. And friends, if there's never been a time in your life where you have made the decision to say, I no longer want to trust in the things of this world. The the temporary things of this world, I choose to follow Christ and do whatever he's called me to do. If there's never been a time in your life, friends, change that today. Jesus paid it all. He's already paid the price. He stepped down from heaven. The the place of honor. He wrapped himself in human flesh, taking on the place of a servant. He lived the life that we were supposed to live, but, but in our sin we could not. He died the death that we were condemned to die. He took our place. But on the third day, he was raised from the dead to prove once and for all that our sin debt had been paid in full. It has been paid, it is finished. Choose Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Everything, all the money, wealth, possessions, all of it together. Temporary things of this world and forfeit his soul. Not only for this life, but for all eternity. There's never been a time in your life where you've made that decision saying, I choose you, Jesus. I I want to turn from the things of this world, the sin in my life, and I I choose to follow you, Jesus. If there's never been a time in your life where you have done that, please come see me after this. Go to the next step station. It's it's right in the middle of the lobby. It's right outside this worship center. Someone will be happy to talk to you, but please do not leave this place today before knowing what it looks like to follow Jesus. Will you pray with me? As we enter back into a time of praising our Savior, the one who who paid it all, I want you to consider this morning, is the Holy Spirit stirring your heart right now? Saying, yes, there's... There's been times in my life where, where I've chosen to, to pursue my wealth. I've wanted more. I've, I've wanted to be rich. I've, I've gone after all these possessions, these things, and, and I haven't been following Christ. Looking to him for, for the satisfaction of my soul. As, as we sing, if you have business to deal with, take care of it. Spend time in prayer now. Friends, we don't want to place all of our hopes and and our trust in the temporary things of this world. They're fleeting. They're here today, gone tomorrow. 
this life. It's just a dot on the line of eternity. So please don't live for the dot. Don't live for the dot. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for for what you've done for us. You paid it all so that we may have salvation, so that we may be brought near to God through the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have given us. Everything that we have is yours. You've been a good, good Father who has given good things to your children. And Father, I pray that, that we would be faithful, that we would be found faithful in stewarding the things you have given us well. been a good, good father. Lord, now as as we enter into a time of, of praising you for who you are and all that you've done, Father, I pray that, that hearts would, would be set on fire for you. Lord, that, that, that our hearts would, would be tuned to you, Lord, where we say you can have it all, whatever you want, whatever you call us to do, it's yours, Father. May we be content and what you've given us. Find the satisfaction of our soul in Christ alone. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.